Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO, a loose discussion of travel, diving, driving, gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 183, and it's proudly brought to you by our recently formed TGN supporter crew, Going Strong. We get new supporters every day, and we thank you all so much for your continued support. And those of you out there that would like to support the show that aren't already, please do visit thegreynado.com for more details. James, uh, how, how are we doing up there in uh, snowy, maybe, Toronto, or is it warm now? It's uh, it's warmer today, but it's been pretty snowy. We're we're kind of in that middle where it's like there's a you know there's piles of six feet of snow everywhere, but I can see grass as well. Yeah, yeah. We're recording this March first. Uh, it you know it's it's a weird time to talk to feel like talking about anything. Yeah. The last week since we recorded the last episode, obviously the the crisis in Ukraine has kicked off. Yeah, it's been very. Very preoccupying. I, I just don't quite know how to approach it. Um, you know, personally, it's just uh, I've been yeah. sort of glued to news feeds and, and not terribly interested or enthralled with uh, with social media feeds, which is, uh, you know, for better or for worse, it, it feels a little bit um, discordant to, to kind of scroll mm-hmm. and look at watch photos or post watch photos. Um, on the other hand, life goes on for people and, and, and you have to kind of find little bits of joy in everyday life, but boy, it's difficult these days. I mean, it's been, it's been pretty depressing to, to see what's going on and very, very sad. So, um, we don't, you know, we don't often discuss world affairs or politics. That's not the purpose of this show. And uh, Jason, and I learned a lot in the past when we have to be kind of delicate to the idea that this show does maintain itself as entertainment legitimately. And if you want commentary, look, you can get it from every other corner of the world, but we, we want to make it clear that, you know, we, obviously stand with with Ukraine and we're just really hoping that the the end result is a descaling of uh of aggression and uh and some you know support on every side to make sure that um uh disenfranchised parties are protected as much as possible yeah i mean like you said i mean just since we recorded last i mean certainly we saw it escalating for for weeks before that but uh mm-hmm. just the the scale of of the of the destruction and and some of the images coming out of that are are just horrifying to watch. And, and I think it leads to a sense of, of uh, helplessness and frustration on this end, because for one thing, we're, we're, we're very far from it, um, you know, geographically, but, but also it's, I, I want to do more f- for the people of Ukraine and kind of to raise awareness and, and possibly contribute in some way to, to what's happening. But you probably hear that, that we're being sort of raw and unfiltered in this early part of the show, because I think neither of us are really quite clear on, no. How to approach this other than just to to kind of air our feelings about it. It feels um deeply complicated. It feels almost impossible to to get an impression of the whole picture, right? Yeah. No no one wants war, you or at least no no one rational wants war. And uh, you know, the our our only real suggestion is if if you have the ability to support the Red Cross or any any sort of direct funding. Uh, we, we that that's kind of what we think is is the best outcome if you're looking for any sort of advice. But yeah, donate to the Red Cross. Uh, Oak and Oscar is running an auction, so this comes out Thursday, March third, and their auction is for a one of one version of their watch with a blue and yellow strap combination. A hundred percent of the proceeds are going to the Red Cross, and uh, uh, currently they're doing the auction through Instagram, uh, which I think is a great format. And, the, and they they came up with this really quickly. It's a great looking watch and, a, and an awesome way to. Uh, kind of support the space and access, you know, some of the wealth that sits within this hobby, right? Yeah, yeah. And that'll run until tomorrow. So if you're listening the day this comes out or Friday the 4th, I believe it runs until 5 p.m. CST. 
and if you're Canadian and you donate to the Red Cross, our government will double your money up to a hundred grand. I don't know who's if you have the ability to give a hundred grand, kudos. But <laughs> if give it, give what I would consider a, a normal sum, a sum you're capable of, and and you get to double your money. So that I think that's a, a pretty a, a way to have an impact, certainly. Yeah, uh, beyond I, what governments are already doing. Yeah, and I think you know the Red Cross is one of those kind of rock solid organizations that's uh, that's a good outlet for for giving. Um, I, I I guess I would ask that if any of our listeners have any um, good ideas in terms of places to give or, or just, um, you know, ways to help, uh, please do post them in the comments. You know, we're, we'll all, we'll all vet things on our own as we, as we're comfortable and, and as we want to. And it's always a good idea to do that, but uh, we're, we're open for any and all ideas in terms of ways to, to help out in the cause. So with that, I mean, I suppose we can, we can jump into uh, the show. We do have uh, a couple of notes to, to talk about. You know, we had the, uh, the first Q&A uh, popped up for our yep. supporters. Yeah, so if you, if you didn't get that email or you missed it or it went into a folder, you know, it, was, it would have been about a week ago. By the time this comes out, uh, we published it on the Friday. It's pretty straightforward. I didn't get anyone that had a lot of issues getting the feed into their app or the rest of it, but it's just an email. You can play the episode right in the email if you want or down in the text, and I'll continue doing this on any of these emails, all of them at the very bottom. I'll just include the raw URL, and you can take that URL, put it into your podcast app, and then subscribe to the private supporter feed, which has everything. You don't have to keep the other one unless you want the back catalog. But again, keep in mind that the entire catalog is available on Substack. So you can play those in the notes, see the notes, the comments, et cetera, for every episode we've ever done. Uh, So I think that's pretty straightforward. The numbers are good. Feedback is great. If you have a question for us and you're a supporter, please record it into the voice memo app on your phone and then email it to thegreenado at gmail.com. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're always looking at, at new ways to kind of provide sort of value add for uh, for our supporters. And and one of the things that popped up recently that, that James, you and I were talking about was this idea of maybe mm-hmm. a private forum of some sort. Yeah. Um, and we're still kind of in early days discussing how best to do that. But uh, it, it certainly is an interesting idea. And I guess we're wondering if if folks out there, if our listeners uh, that are supporters would be would be keen for something like that. Yeah, we're, I, I don't necessarily want direct advice on what platform to use. I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of what's out there. We, I don't think we could afford to do Slack. But we'd both be in the uh, out of house and home if we had to put everybody onto a Slack <laughs> onto a, a paid Slack channel. Yeah, but it looks like Discord is probably the way to go. It's a really straightforward app. The company has a fairly good reputation. Um, it you know it it and it allows for a lot of different technological options. So we, there'd be some ability to share files, obviously text chat, and then it's free, which is great, including free for uh, users and those running the the platform. And then on top of that, we'd have the ability to do audio and other things like that, possibly in the future. Whether that ended up being things like live shows or a live sort of like a stream or something like that. So we're still looking into it. Um, I think this would be fun, um, but I you know before I put hours and hours into developing the whole platform and getting it going and figuring out a way to do invites and the rest of it, maybe let us know in the comments if you would like a space for supporter discussions beyond the comments on each episode. So this would be a little bit more in depth. You could post photos and stuff like that, which is a, you know something we can't do in the, in the um, Substack comments. So if that's a, like even a little bit of interest and you'd probably have to, I'm sure some of you are Discord users, but for the rest of you, you'd have to download a new app um, and, and to check that out, uh, you know, let, let me know if you have a, a feeling one way or another. So I'll, I'll look into a solution, but we are definitely interested to see what people, what people kind of think would work. 
yeah, I mean, we're, we're open to ideas and certainly, uh, you know, this isn't something that's going to happen next week or next month, but, uh, you know, at some point in this year where we'd like to kind of roll out a little bit more, um, in terms of what we can do for our supporters. So what else, what else is new? Anything on, on your end? You, you, uh, you got that print, right? From the illustrated watch. I did. Yeah. I was going to say, I, uh, it showed up very quickly. So, uh, we spoke about this Instagram account, um, the illustrated watch, I think two episodes ago. Yeah. And there are these beautiful kind of line drawings, almost like a schematic, but without any, um, lots of detail, but without any like sort of, um, technical details. Yeah. A really beautifully done, uh, typically like a line drawing over a color. And I had suggested kind of off the cuff that I'd be interested in a 1655, uh, uh, the early Explorer two with, um, a kind of an orange background and, uh, uh they made it. So I, I picked one of those up framed it, it, uh, delivered a little while ago. And I've got it uh, just sitting on my mantle in, in the living room. It looks awesome. And eventually I'm going to have it as part of like a wall that will form like my Zoom background. Oh, yeah. That's all watch stuff uh, or, or stuff from friends. I've got, uh, Jason, I've got your print for the that Doxa oh, yeah, uh, yeah. poster you did yeah. a couple years ago. I've got a Brett Curry. I, I can't wait to get uh, framed. A Brett Curry a, a shot of uh, Angela's Crest at night. Nice. Uh, yeah. So there's there's a handful of stuff that needs to go up, but it'll be part of that. And, and once it does, I'll, I'll be sure to post some sort of a photo. At Very some cool. point when uh, when I put that together, nice. How about you, Jason? You up to, up to much these days other than doom scrolling? <laughs> yeah, geez, yeah. Um, mm. You know, just this and that. I, I, the weather has warmed up in a serious way here, as we were kind of talking about earlier. And it's just every sidewalk is a lake. So I've been I've been you know running once or twice a week, you know, dancing around puddles. And then Saturday I went out for probably my last good cross country ski for a while till we get, if it gets colder and we get some more snow because it's, uh, the trails then get all melty and then freeze and everything else. So yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Other than that, it's, uh, just been kind of hammering away on the book and, and yeah, um, you know, TGN comes around so often now that it's like, I got to start like keeping a little running list about like stuff to talk about during chit chat. So yeah, I feel the same way. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, we're right on the edge of of not having to consider the weather every time you do something outside. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully there'll be some more things to chat about. Certainly the summer is our busiest season in terms of actually doing stuff, but uh, right. the spring is, just, it's easy to try and hope for an early spring and, and a chance to uh, get outside and doing a little bit more variety. But I'm, I'm hoping to get back to running as soon as the, uh, as soon as we have the, the kind of average temperature above zero. So yeah. hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. How about on the watch front? Anything, uh, Interesting on your wrist these days. I, I finally managed to take the CWC 1983 reissue off my wrist. Uh, it's actually <laughs> sitting right next to me, ticking away yeah. uh, as it does. Uh, and I swapped it out for Halios Universa, the pastel dial on the bracelet. Uh, you know, I really like this watch. I always have. I think it's one that's probably been wrist check a dozen times or more. But I like the bright color. It's a little bit of a smile. It makes me think of Vancouver. It's one of these watches I kind of go to when I am feeling kind of stressed or despondent or over overdone in terms of uh, exposure to the world. Uh, it just it, it has this kind of singular thing in my mind when I when I have it on or when I have any Halios on, really. Yeah, I think, you know, you, that's that's an interesting point. And I think, you know, I, I, earlier I said it felt a little flippant or something to, to talk about or post watch photos. And I, I think that yeah, um, that might be a little bit of, of a rash statement because I, I do think that there's something... I, you know, we find comfort in small things and I think uh, a, a solid watch that, that kind of brings you that, that comfort or, or just kind of a constant in your life, uh, can be very comforting. And, uh, yeah, 
being that it's March 1st, I, uh, I, I'm wearing the, uh, I'm still wearing the Omega. I know I'm getting very boring, like a broken record on the show <laughs> here. You know, it, it does have a date function and it is March 1st. So I had to adjust that this morning, flip ahead, uh, what, three days, um, as we're want to do with our date watches, especially those quartz ones that have been just kind of dutifully ticking away in a box somewhere. Um, so I gotta, I gotta go and dig out, you know, yeah. the, the various marathons and, and other watches that I've got in, in boxes, the, Elliot Brown, things like that, that need to be reset. But uh, like I said, I'm I've I've been fairly boring. I've I have I guess last week I did put on the the Unimatic U1 for for a few hours at least. Oh, nice! I forgot you have one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had noticed that they released a trio of new watches. I think it was earlier this week. Well, I guess it was last week now, and uh, it just reminded me like what a cool aesthetic they have. So I pulled that out and put it on a on a ribbed NATO and, and wore that for a few hours and uh, did some skiing to wind it up a bit. And uh, it's sitting on my desk here. So I should have an, a more interesting wrist check for the next episode for 184. And uh, actually, thanks to uh, our buddy Cole and a couple TGN uh, guys, uh, Michael and Chris, shout out to you guys. Uh, I've sourced uh, kind of I'm rebuying a watch oh, wow. okay. uh, that I, I haven't I haven't had in some time. I don't want to give it away just yet. I think it'll be a story. Yeah, I think or or it'll be more like an in-depth sort of chat about about this watch and and kind of the scope around it for me. Uh, it's it's something I've been kind of hemming and hawing on for a long time. And then Cole being Cole, I mentioned it to him and he just said like, oh, I know some guys. Huh. And he goes, actually, I think you know these guys. <laughs> and uh, and certainly I recognized uh, recognized their names. And if, if I'll, I'll check before I start using last names and stuff. We'll, we'll pull Instagram titles. That's probably easier for uh, for the next episode. But it's sourced and, and it's with FedEx now. So it should be here in the next couple of days. And, and I'm, I'm like weirdly excited, not an expensive watch, just one I haven't had in a while. I didn't own this watch during any TGN stuff. So this predates TGN. So I don't think it's a watch oh. we talk a ton about in general. Oh, cool. Um, well, we, you know, we used but, to do very early days. We, we did, well, we did collection inspection a few times, but then we did mm-hmm. the on yeah. paper on wrist where we kind of talked about, I guess paper isn't maybe the best uh, thing when you're doing podcasts, but you know, we, we kind of talked about a watch that one of us had that the other hadn't seen and, and, Oddly yeah. enough, this is actually this would fit that. So maybe we maybe we can roll it into yeah. one of those uh, episodes. Yeah, we could, we could really maybe cool. make it an on paper on wrist or yeah. um and and for anyone who's listening, if you remember um seen unseen, it was a, a movie podcast from years ago. Huh. I don't believe it's still being made, but that was the I just stole that premise okay. for on paper on wrist. <laughs> but one of the co-hosts would go see the movie. Yeah, and the other one would just look at the poster and watch the trailer. Yeah, and they'd kind of meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was kind of the same idea. So uh, yeah, we could do that. We could make it. We could definitely make this a collection inspection. This is one that, for what I got it for, and and for what it is, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It's probably one I would just loan to people. Yeah, because um, it's a it's a sweet spot for this brand. It's a sweet spot for me. And sorry for the tease, but uh, next next week should be good. And a big thank <laughs> you to everyone who helped. Uh, kind of connect the dots on this for me. They made it almost too easy. <laughs> All right. You want to get into some book club? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, geez, this is only our second. This is only volume two of book club. We, we only did one of these. So we're trying to think of like what, what to do for this episode, you know, given the context of most people's lives these days, uh, we thought it now might be a nice time to, and we're not suggesting ignoring the world or the rest of it, but just, you know, maybe take a break for some some uh, you know self love or whatever they call it some some time for yourself and uh, so we thought it was a good time to bring the book club back. Jason, the the first time we did this was kind of in a not not entirely dissimilar fashion. This would have been I think the second of the isolation tapes. Oh wow! 
Uh, so right at the start of the pandemic, it was episode 104. Yeah. And we were trying to do, that was when we first went to weekly episodes. Yep. And we were trying to just offer a reprieve from the news. Again, not to ignore it, but just to, at a certain time, like consider some entertainment or an escape, right? Yeah. And that escape could be a walk around the block or a movie or in this case, some books. So in the show notes, I'm going to include the books we mentioned last time so that we don't have to list them all now. Um, because for people who've been listening to the show, certainly for the last 80 some odd episodes, but if you've been listening since the start, there's about 15 books that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a reason we're not really starting from the ground floor with the book club stuff. We're trying to expand on that, but I'll include a full list in the show notes if you want to see what we mentioned in episode 104. So we're each going to pick three books and uh, looking at the list, it's a really varied sort of selection. Uh, Jason, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I tried to uh, <clears throat> I tried to pick uh, books that maybe um, wouldn't be quite as predictable for me. I think I, I've tended to stick close to my wheelhouse in so many areas, and and some of these do, but um, a, a couple of these were real revelations when I first uh, picked them up. Two of which are actually going to be uh, be movies uh, released very shortly. Actually, one is going to be a series. But uh, okay, yeah, interesting. So I'm going to start with a book that I think I I was turned on to this by. I believe it was it was a book review either in the New York Times or Outside Magazine, and and the reason Outside would have picked it up is because its author Peter Heller is or was a contributing editor, longtime editor for Outside Magazine, and he's written a number of novels over the years, and and this one that I read is called The Dog Stars, and okay, it's a work of fiction, it's a novel. It was really interesting, and it's it's really not a book that if you had just kind of told me the premise, I necessarily would have been attracted to because I'm not a real science fiction or future, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of uh, reader, I guess. Um, but something about the other elements of the plot appeal to me, um, and I'll explain. So the, the book is, um, the, the hero or the protagonist's name is Hig. Uh, that must be a nickname. And he's a guy who... Um, He's, he's living in somewhere in, in kind of mountainous area of, I believe, like Colorado, uh, kind of a, a semi-rural area, um, living in a, a world that has um, largely been um, decimated by, uh, I believe it's some kind of a, a pandemic of some sort. So it's, it's timely, even though this book was written back in 2012. Uh, and maybe that's why it popped up in a review recently was kind of its relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's living at an old airfield. Uh, like in the hangar with one other guy named Bangley and his dog, Jasper. And Hig uh, was a pilot and he owns a, a 1956 Cessna and he's a big fly fisherman and hunter. And he lives there and they're kind of guarding their territory because there are these kind of marauding bands of fellow survivors that are always kind of on the lookout for resources and and food and fuel and that sort of thing. Right. So it, it's told from his perspective and, and, you know, he flies these kind of daily sorties in this old Cessna to kind of look at the surrounding landscape and see if they're in any danger. And, um, and then he'll go up into the woods with his dog and go hunting and fishing. And it's this interesting mix of like kind of dystopian post-apocalyptic storytelling with this, the beauty of, of where he's living and kind of this incredible appreciation of, of nature and kind of the, the, the environment and the surrounding area where he lives as well as these these interesting connections with the few people that are remaining and and kind of his interactions and so there are these kind of tense scary scenes and then there is um, you know there's this, uh, this 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 raw beauty of of his outings in the woods with his dog and kind of the connection that he has with 
with nature. Um, and I, you know, it, it's, it, the book is just, it's beautifully written. I think, uh, I think Heller just has a real knack, I think probably from his, you know, years of, of outdoor writing, I think he's, his descriptions of, of the mountains and the, and the woods and, and fly fishing are just, um, particularly evocative. And, uh, so I think it would appeal to, to various people on different levels. It's a bit like, what was that movie? Either Viggo Mortensen or Clive oh, the Road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a uh, Cormac McCarthy's book. Right. Right. This, this sounds like a somewhat warmer version of that. Yeah. The road is yeah. freaking bleak. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, yeah. this is, this is bleak, but there's, there's these elements of warmth and, and kind of love that come through and, and kind of mm-hmm. human caring that, that kind of seep through here. And then you have this, uh, these kind of technical details about his plane and, and, and kind of his outings in the woods and that sort of thing. So, nice. you know, so often when we talk about kind of stories set in the future, there's a certain science fiction element to it. And this one's almost a, it's almost like society is kind of melted away and it's, uh, it's just sort of people in nature again, which, uh, right. Which, um, which is a really interesting angle for it. So, and, and he's written a number of, of books that I haven't read others of yet, but, uh, I definitely want to now want to read some more of his stuff, but, uh, yeah, the dog stars by Peter Heller is my first pick. That's great. Great pick. I ha- I have not read that one. I recognize his name. Um, uh, but I haven't read that. Uh, should definitely add it to the list. As that sounds, um, it sounds good. And and kind of kind of like you'd mentioned I, uh, when you were talking about, it, I was thinking of the road. And you know, I've I've not read the road. I've read excerpts of the road, and I've seen the movie. Uh, you know, tough, pretty tough book, a- almost to the edge of being like, um, I don't know, like hypothetical in many ways. Yeah. About, uh, I mean, I guess I guess it's fiction, so it's all hypothetical, but um, uh, almost like a thought study in what it would be in, in what some of the emotional impact would be to, to just be cut off from the normal like lineage of humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a, a definitely an interesting thing to uh, interesting thing to consider. My first uh, book is going to be uh, stories of your life and others by Ted Chang, who I've, I've talked about this book. I've talked about uh, his second uh, sort of novel that came out after this one. Um, but stories of your life and others is, uh, is the, a collection of stories written by Ted Chiang, which was put out in 2002. And then of course, later on the specific story, which is stories of your life was turned into a movie called arrival oh, in 2016, okay. which, which was in our film p- sure. club. Um, uh, Denny Villeneuve movie in, in my opinion, like one of the best pieces of science fiction made in quite some time. Uh, really fantastic film that didn't have your, you know, laser guns and yeah, intergalactic flight and and the rest of it. Something much more kind of cerebral. This one, I, I really like both of his books uh, that I've read so far. He's an incredibly talented writer, but these are all loosely science fiction stories. But I would say what they are is a little bit more like Black Mirror in many ways, hmm. or um, the Twilight Zone, if that's an yeah. easier reference. If you if you're not a Black Mirror fan. Where you have uh, some of these are they almost read like parables mm-hmm. about the future. So it's not a, necessarily about technology or spaceships or you know glass elevators to the sky. Like it's it's not necessarily in the Asimov space of of sort of science fiction. Yeah. Um, but I do highly recommend it. Uh, this book especially has a few that were, you know, the Tower of Babylon is the story of of people building a, a building that goes all the way to heaven and then they break into it. Huh. Um, and it's it's absolutely incredible. The scale of it is amazing. The storytelling is uh, is really really special. Um, and then I I also really enjoyed. There's a a, a story in here called Understand, hmm. 
is is the story and it's about a man who's given a an experimental drug after he nearly drowns and has uh some brain damage yeah he's given a drug and it makes him incredibly intelligent and gives him perfect motor skills he gets so smart he has to create a different type of um language to contain his ability to think wow uh so it's this very like hypothetical structure of of intelligence that it's kind of exponentially as he becomes stronger and then he starts seeing patterns in all of the things that he tracks the the stock market and government agencies and the rest and he realizes that he was not the only one to get this drug so he tries to devise a plan to attack this other super smart person (laughs) it's an absolutely incredible story i've I've read it a couple times when i finished it i was just you know, reading it on, on a e-reader and I immediately went back and started it over again. It's, it's super, super good. And then you have the stories of your life, which, like I said, uh, became a rival. It's absolutely worth reading just that story if you really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Um, because it's similar in many ways, but tweaked in, in, or I guess the movie was tweaked in some ways based on the original story. So uh, that's my first one. It's, a, it's easy because it's, you know, essentially a collection of short stories. So it's easy to pick up and put down. Yeah. Beautifully written. Um, I don't. I don't think you have to be like a Star Wars or Star Trek fan. It's it's more of a general idea of where technology and human advancement may go. Uh, again, sometimes in more alarming ways, sometimes in more comforting ways. Uh, I, I really, really like this book and really all of Ted's writing. Yeah, I, I probably should read this just based on the fact that you've you've brought up Ted Chang several times uh, in in recent episodes. And and you know, I, I think my hesitation's always been I'm just not. I'm not a, a science fiction movie buff by any stretch, and I don't yeah. think I've ever read a book, a science fiction book. So, you know, I, I need to break out of my comfort zone, and I think uh, I think a book of short stories is kind of a, a good place to ease into that. Yeah, it's great stuff. What's uh, What have you got for our second? Second one. All right. Now, this one is uh, it's a very interesting uh, novel by uh, a British writer named Mick Herron, and um, he's I, I came across this because it was it was kind of um, I think it was right after John le Carré died uh, not too long ago. And, and there was an article I was reading about kind of who's picking up his, the baton from, from him and, and kind of who's the next generation of kind of great espionage writers. And, and Mick Herron came up as almost to the top of the list. It, what's interesting is this, this book is called Slow Horses. And if that sounds familiar, it's because there's actually a series, I believe, being produced by, I want to say the BBC, um, based on this with... Uh, Gary Oldman playing the lead role, uh, or one of the lead roles. And, and, you know, he's, he's always good. So I can't wait to see that, but this is very different from any kind of other kind of a spy novel that I've read because it, it it's very, it's humorous. It's, it's funny, but it's not, it, you know, this is anything but a comedy book. I mean, it's not, it's not meant to be overly comic, but the characters just, I, I guess I would say the author doesn't take the characters so seriously. He gives them some some major, you know, kind of serious flaws. In fact, the the concept of the book and the name Slow Horses comes from the fact that um, it's about a, a group of MI5 agents that have kind of been put out to pasture or are, are um, they've made some kind of fatal flaws in their career. You know, they've screwed up operations or, or you know, annoyed somebody uh, powerful and have been relegated to a, a certain office in kind of suburban London called Slough House. Uh, Slough is, is, I believe, like a suburb of London. And so this this office where they're put is this kind of out of the way 
place for kind of washed up agents called Slough House. And so the, the members there are, are tongue in cheek called Slow Horses. And okay. they're, they're left to do very mundane activities, um, you know, transcribing stuff and, and, you know, paperwork basically. Um, but one of the guys whose name is River Cartwright, he's, he's kind of the, the hero of this story. He stumbles upon something, um, and is, is sort of thrust into the, the main action of, of a very serious, uh, threat situation. And, and he's kind of forced into this and, and is, um, you know, confronted with, with actually having to kind of redeem himself by, by solving this case. And his boss, whose, whose name is Jackson Lamb, is the, the guy who's going to be played by Gary Oldman in the, in the series. Um, he, he's this, this very brash, kind of overweight, demonstrably flatulent <laughs> um, guy who runs this place and has kind of this mildly disguised disgust for, for his workers. Right. And, and so he's always popping in and out of these scenes uh, kind of berating his workers and, and they're kind of working in spite of him kind of behind the scenes. And it's, it's, it's really quite good. So you're kind of chuckling while you read it, but then, you know, the, the, the cases that they're solving are kind of grim and, and deadly serious. So it's so different from, you know, John le Carre or, or Ian Fleming or any, any kind of other kind of very serious, very grim black and white sort of spy stories. And, uh, Sure. So it was a really fun read. And, and Mick Heron, he's got a whole um, series of books called uh, the Slough House series about the same kind of crew of misfits. And this is the book number one. So this would be the one to start with. If you if it's appealing to you, then you can kind of continue on and, and read the next bunch of them. Um, so, yeah, this this is a good one. I, I listened to the audiobook. I think I listened to it on a flight or maybe at some point recently when I was traveling or last time I did travel. And uh, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I recommend it highly. Came out in, it's a few years old. Gosh, I think it was, uh, yeah, 2010. So, actually, it's fairly old. And, of course, there have been several since then. But, uh, yeah, check it out. Slow Horses. That's great. Sounds awesome. And uh, that series sounds like it could be really good, too. You know, fi- find me a bad uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. All right, my second round is another book that I talked about recently, but it's the only thing I've read uh, all the way through uh, recently, and uh, it's probably my favorite piece of fiction that I've ever come across. I just, I absolutely love it. It's The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was one re- recommended to me by my, by my wife and one of her favorite p- stories. It's a, it's a really, really, really remarkably incredible book, it, and it's about a, a young man from uh, California who uh, gets accepted to a, a sort of prestigious liberal arts college in Vermont called Bennington. And, um, and while he's there, he ingratiates himself with a few of these sort of outsiders, artsy outsiders that turn out to be really only there to study classics with one professor. And so he goes from a wider school gr- kind of group immediately down to this very tight knit group of old friends that come from money and kind of a different world than he was used to. And he was on the brink of poverty through a good portion of the story. And then it's just kind of about the development of their friend group and and things at school. And then, you know, you don't want to give anything away. Something happens that really changes the whole tone as he gets deeper into the, his relationship with these people. Hmm. And it's, it becomes this beautifully complicated narrative of many different people's motives and, you know, lying and hiding things. And it's, it's simply incredible when it was over. I was, I was a little bit depressed, <laughs> uh, when, when I finished it. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, Donna Tartt is, uh, you know, an, an incredibly, uh, 
celebrated author at this point. Uh, the Goldfinch won a Pulitzer Prize in 2014. Uh, she's won just about every writing prize you can imagine. Insane talent, beautifully written. I mean, like jaw-droppingly, you'll repeat some sentences. It's so well done. And if you've already read the story, I highly recommend a new podcast. It's called Once Upon a Time at Bennington College. So there's long been this conjecture because the there were several other famous writers that were part of Donna Tartt's group uh, her, of classmates. So that that you know there's the, the this kind of fun background that largely couldn't be real, but uh, large background that these characters are based on real people and possibly things that actually happened. Uh, so if you want to go deeper than what's in the book, uh, I highly recommend Once Upon a Time at Bennington College. It's a, a podcast that recently came out. Uh, for what it's worth, Tart is trying to get it taken down from the internet. I think it's something they don't really want to dig into uh, what's involved. But then some of the other people that were part of this story, including some very famous names, are on the record. So it should be an interesting one. I'm just dipping into it now. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's funny. You know, when you first recommended this book a while back, uh, Gashani immediately got it from the library and, and read it straight through, and she she quite liked it. So I'll have to. Tell her about that podcast and I'll, at some point, I'm going to have to read this one. That sounds really fascinating. Uh, yeah, no, a, gr- a great one. One I highly recommend that I, I'm already looking forward to rereading at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, a part of my more recent foray into fiction and I've just been just so, so impressed by uh, by this one and I'm working my way through uh, The Goldfinch now and loving that as well. Huh. An incredible story. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, great writer. All right, your final? Yeah, this is, uh, so first two were were fiction, and this one is nonfiction. Uh, and it I mentioned that uh, Slow Horses was about to become a series. This one, Operation Mincemeat, is about to be a, a film that's coming out with uh, Colin Firth, who's going to be in this one. Um, and, and you talk about kind of spy or intrigue or espionage films. This is a true story. And it, you, you read it and you think, how could this possibly be true? Um, and, and some of it is fairly well known now. I think it's, it's so such a fantastic story that, that it word has gotten around about it, but this was during world war II, and the allies were, were planning to invade, uh, Sicily and kind of take back Italy from, from the Axis powers. And, um, in order to kind of gain the element of surprise, they wanted to distract the Germans from uh, knowing where they were going to exactly strike. And so what they, they devised to do was use a bit of uh, trickery to give like a, a, a decoy invasion plan, one that was completely false, that would divert the, the Nazis to defend a different part of Europe from, from Sicily where they were actually going to go. And, and to do that, they came up with this plot to um, find a corpse and float it ashore in Spain carrying fake documents with, with invasion plans. And that's the very simplistic version of it. There was so much that went into this and and the background that they needed to establish to kind of firm up the story because they, they figured whoever finds this and investigates this isn't going to take it at face value. They're going to investigate to see just how true this is and look into this person's backstory and, um, and, uh, you know, this this was all done at, at some of the highest levels of, of British intelligence and, and and the military, including Ian Fleming was actually part of the Naval Intelligence Office that was uh, devising this plan. So, you know, that might tell you a little something about how he, um, uh, you know, got some of his ideas for for later stories. Yeah, that's wild. But it's it's just a, a crazy story. And and one thing is the the author of this, Ben McIntyre. You can read this guy writes for. 
the Times of London, and he's long been like their uh, intelligence and, and military writer. And he's got such a knack for this stuff. He's, he, I had read an earlier book of his called Rogue Warriors about the beginnings of the SAS during World War II. But he's written this. He wrote a book called A Spy and a Traitor, um, A Spy Among Friends, this one. And, and this is kind of his, this is his area. This is his wheelhouse. And he writes so well about it. And I'm, I'm blown away by the, the detail that he digs up to, to write these books and how many he's turned out. You know, I, I just think this mm-hmm. is like a major kind of research project that, that he cranked out here. And it's, uh, it's such a great story and I can't wait for the film. I hope it does the book justice. I'm sure it will, because it's, uh, it's just such a fantastic story, but, uh, yeah, Operation Mincemeat, it's, um, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a wonderful story, just a, a fantastically outrageous bit of uh, skullduggery that is that is just great to read i wonder if the the forthcoming film will is going to consider itself a remake of the original oh yeah there was one um, the man with no name right the man the man who never was the man who never was the man who never i had to google it i can't that did not come off the top of the dome don't, don't, <laughs> don't let me take credit for that but i was almost positive that mincemeat had been a movie in the past yeah um just from conversations i believe with my father and yeah the 1956 war drama film called the man who never was you know, a, sol- a solid one if you like an old movie for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot I, about I'm that. I'm very keyed into the new one. That's uh, definitely worth uh, checking out. Yeah, the trailer uh, looks good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, Colin Firth is great. Yeah. So two novels and uh, and a bit of uh, nonfiction. So those are my those are that's my great. Picks. And then you've got a, a great one for your last one. Yeah, I kind of I felt like I, I was kind of betraying the TGN book club ethos by not throwing in something from the true TGN like uh, library. Yeah. <laughs> if we were to if we were to have one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to recommend one that I think everyone should just be given on their 16th birthday. Yeah. Uh, regardless of of gender or, or like any of that, just at a certain point, you get your driver's license. You should also get a copy of Endurance mm. um, by Alfred Lansing. This is the essentially the the main retelling of uh, Ernest Shackleton's Endurance and and how it got you know locked on ice and and all of these incredible stories. And I didn't get to read it when I was a teen. I read it in my um, mid to late 20s and uh, have really enjoyed it. I think I've only read it the one time, but it, you know, it, it's just one of the most fantastic pieces of adventure storytelling ever made. Um, in, in my mind, as much as I enjoy something like um, Blue Meridian, um, Peter Matheson's Blue Meridian, which is definitely also on our big list. Endurance is just, it's, it's an old world do do it do it in 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 a big big sort of way adventure and everything goes so poorly so poorly <laughs> and the, you would never the ending would never happen again yeah yeah literally once one in a million yeah they, they threaded a needle or it's just such a good story i highly recommend this to anyone um anyone who's interested in in world travel or adventure or the scary side of adventure, like when you do travel to the edge of the world, there's nobody coming to get you and your boat doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just the will to live and these guys' ability to really take what would be seen as suffering and make the most out of it. And, you know, there's some amazing photographs that came out of this time. I just highly recommend it. It's Endurance. Shackleton's Incredible Voyage is the subtitle and it's by Alfred Lansing. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's such a classic. And I, I think, you know, yeah. this was actually, I, I, I remember doing a book report, if you can remember those, a book report when I was in high school uh, about this book. My parents had a, a copy of it and I was at their house recently looking for it. And I don't think it it's still around there because I think it was one of, it was an early edition. And I, I'm just, I, I hope it's, I hope it's still around in the family because I'd love to reread it. It's a great book. And I, you know, Shackleton has become 
almost overexposed, like such a cliche, like I think he's probably on every MBA, you know, course, course list as, oh, yeah. you know, as kind of a, uh, a good, uh, good lesson in leadership. But, you know, to go back to Lansing's book, and there have been other, plenty of other books written about Shackleton and the endurance, but I, I do think Lansing's is kind of the, the one, the place to start, I think. Um, and it's been ages since I've read it, but yeah, you've, you've reminded me. And I think, uh, it's a good one to revisit. He's, uh, he, he really nailed the story. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a book that I think everyone should read way up there with all the other ones that we've listed over the past 180 plus episodes at this point. But yeah, that's a, that's my third pick and rounds out with a little bit of uh, nonfiction. Um, but yeah, the secret history stories of your life and others and endurance were my picks and Jason's were Peter Heller's the dog stars, Mick Heron's slow horses and Ben McIntyre's operation mincemeat. Three great ones that uh, all are going to make it to my list for uh, continued reading. Yeah, I'm, I'm still still getting good use out of the Kindle, so I might actually be able to knock a few off the list this year. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It was it was fun to revisit book club. I think uh, I think like you said at the top, this was a this was a good week to do it. And um, you know, there's still still a bit of winter left, which is always uh, always good time to to pick up a book. And and you know, it's funny when we do film club, we, we I think we each pick five films. Yeah. That's what you know, movies are so much, you can, you can consume them just more quickly and a, a book just takes a little while. You kind of sink into it. So, uh, yeah. And the other thing I was worried about was like, you know, some of these books, you, like with a, with a movie, it could be on Netflix. So it's included in your pers- subscription. It could be on Disney plus or whatever, but with a book, like you either have it or you don't. And if you don't, you're yeah. going to go and spend some money to get it. Yeah. Uh, so right. we didn't want to load people up too much. But if you've read all of these or, or you have something you want to add to this list, uh, something we should consider for, book club three in a hundred episodes or whatever, uh, drop it in the, in the comments for the episode on Substack. We'd love to hear more, uh, more suggestions and, and really just have a, a fun conversation about books and, and ways that we're kind of using them as a, as kind of a welcome escape these days. Um, uh, whether it be fiction or nonfiction or, or otherwise love, love to hear what you go are, uh, are reading and enjoying, especially now that you've heard, you know, the better part of six books that have been on our mind for a while. Good one. Well, that puts a wrap on this one. I don't know when we'll get to volume three, but let's not wait uh, wait too long. Yeah, so probably not quite as long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Some final notes. Yeah, sure. I'll go first because it's a follow on to to the book you just talked about. So um, you were talking about uh, Alfred Lansing's endurance, and uh, as luck would have it, currently, right now, in the Wet LC in Antarctica, there's a, a scientific expedition going on to actually find the. The, the endurance shipwreck at the bottom of of the ocean down there, which is a pretty darn close to about ten thousand feet deep under ice, goodness, um, in the wet LC, and it's just a fantastic uh, expedition that they're undertaking. In fact, they tried to do this, I believe it was two years ago, um, a, a similar group, and and they're on an icebreaker called the uh, the Agulhas, which is uh, based in South Africa, uh, state of the art icebreaker uh, science research vessel. And they're, they're using autonomous underwater vehicles to kind of sweep the seafloor. They know almost exactly where endurance went down based on the, the captain, captain Worsley's final sextant reading of, of the ship and where it lay before it uh, disappeared under the ice. And so they're kind of circling that area, um, to sweep the ocean floor. And if you want kind of regular updates on the expedition, there's a really great YouTube channel called history hit. And, it's it's uh it's uh, kind of hosted by this guy named Dan Snow, who um, has done all sorts of kind of history 
um, talks and, and interviews with, you know, Ranald Fiennes and Michael Palin and, uh, and others, but he's actually on board the Agullis right now. And he's doing these, I wouldn't want to say daily, but regular updates on the progress of this expedition and, and their, their search for the endurance. And it's, it's really quite fascinating. You get a tour of, of the, of the ship of the Agullis itself. And he goes out on the ice while they're kind of locked in for a while. Um, it kind of goes into depth in, in some of the equipment they're using. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating and, and, you know, to kind of be witness to, to what's going on in real time almost and, and see what, how the search is going is, is pretty fascinating. And they, they have pretty high hopes that they're going to find it this time around based on the technology and kind of what they know about, about where endurance went down. So, so we'll see if history's made, but, uh, if, if nothing else, I think history hit is a good follow on YouTube anyway, just because they, they put out some really great content. Super cool, and yeah, a nice tie to uh, Lansing's book as well. That's uh, that's rad. What a, what a huge undertaking! Yeah, yeah, it really wow. is. Wow, wow. All right, mine is a significantly lower stakes. It's a coffee maker. <laughs> <laughs> Just recently, my uh, my wife got me a gift of a, a cold brew coffee, kind of um, like a system. Yeah, and and I, I kind of roll my eyes at the or I had rolled my eyes at these systems because in the past when I wanted to make cold brew I did it the most difficult way possible which is you know soak a ton of of coarse grinds and um and then strain them painstakingly strain them yeah uh, this system which is like between twenty and thirty dollars U S mm-hmm. um is is a one liter pitcher with a central funnel or a central mesh system that holds the beans yeah so you actually make it and then let it sit in your fridge for 24 hours or whatever and then you just pour what you want out of it and it keeps making it oh okay yeah so it, it's it's very straightforward it's nice and easy to clean uh it doesn't take up a ton of space in your fridge and it's not that expensive and if you like cold brew coffee the recipe that they provide makes pretty much drinkable right as it comes out you don't have to water it down it's strong enough to take cream or milk if that's what you prefer in, in the past, I would use a lot of coffee, like four to one and make like concentrate. And then I'd water it down from there. Yeah. And I think both options have their merits, but this is so easy and it uses much less coffee, which is great. There's less waste, less cost. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, if you're planning on, uh, on, you know, doing the cold brew thing once the weather turns around, or if you're just looking for a break from however you're normally making your coffee, I like this for the cost, uh, the simplicity. I like, uh, you know, the aesthetics of it are nice and it's just simple and easy and it makes good coffee. Can't ask for a lot more. Yeah, that's great. I mean, 19 bucks for the red version of it, which is uh, entirely reasonable. And I love the fact that it's just reusable. You just wash it and use it again. And I, I think one thing that scared me off about cold brew, it was, it's, it's just, it was labor intensive and kind of took up space and, mm-hmm. and it was just, you yep. know, took a while. Um, this looks super friendly. I love the idea, especially for summer. I don't, I don't see myself using it quite yet, but I could see, you know, come yeah. May, June, July, this being really appealing. Being a, typically we're an espresso house, yeah. so you drink the coffee so quickly. Um, there's something nice about a cold brew with some ice, yeah. and you can just kind of sip at it. Yeah, but it, it does have the the high like for anyone who cares or, or is worried about it. Like cold brew is typically four times the caffeine. Mm. So, you know, kind kind of like with other with other things, you can take uh, low and slow. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I so far I've been very impressed by this, and I'm looking forward to having it uh, up and running all summer. Nice, yeah, that's a good pick. That's a great one. Yeah, lots here to uh, to kind of dig into, lots of books to read, lots of stuff to chit-chat about. So be sure to get into the comments and uh, and say hi and drop any sort of thoughts that you've got on uh, on the episode. And uh, other than that, you know, thank you, thank you so much for listening. 
If you want to subscribe to the show notes, get into the comments for each episode, or consider supporting the show directly, and maybe even grab a new TGN signed NATO, please visit thegraynato.com. Music throughout, of course, is Siesta by Jazzar via the free music archive. And we leave you with this quote from Charles W. Eliot, who said, Books are the quietest and most constant of friends. They are the most accessible and wisest of counselors and the most patient of teachers. <laughs>